Welcome to Unlocking Impact. I'm your host, Sarah Schoenfeld, founder of Trade Impact Academy. In this podcast, we explore issues at the intersection of the global economy, sustainability, and human rights. Hey, I am so excited to talk about impact investing and specifically talking about the autism and special needs community. I have a wonderful guest today, Amanda Lukoff, who has been a longtime advocate and activist for the autism and special needs community. Amanda is an attorney, and we actually went to law school together at Fordham School of Law in New York City. Amanda spent over five years practicing law before leaving to spend more time focusing on opportunities in the special needs impact investing and startup space. She currently serves on the board of trustee for the Cook School in New York City, a special needs school, and she is also a strategic advisor for the Autism Impact Fund and an advisory board member for Smile Farms. I am so excited to dive into all these different activities with Amanda and also understand how we can more broadly support the autism and special needs community through business and impact investing. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Can we start out by just learning a bit more about you? Can you tell us a couple of things about yourself that was not covered in the bio that I just went through? Sure. Um, So I am a mom to two young boys who are less than a year apart. So they keep me very busy. They are three and a half and four and a half years old and um, a big motivation for everything I do. And similarly, uh, my brother Liam is a very big motivation for me. He is 25 and is on the autism spectrum and is really an inspiration for all of the work that I do in this space. Amazing. And I know you sent me an article that you wrote about some of your personal story, and it was so impactful um, just reading through that. And we can put a, a link in our episode description to anyone who would like to learn more about Amanda's uh, background. So going to the work that you've been doing in support of the autism community, can you start by telling us a little bit about your work as strategic advisor at the Autism Impact Fund? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm a lawyer by training, and I practiced for um, about six years after we graduated Fordham. And after practicing in corporate law for longer than I wanted to, I really wanted to get back into the special needs space. And when we were in law school, I was focused on special education law. And I felt like I just taken a big detour from that space working in corporate law after school. So I looked into the opportunities in this space. And I was really amazed to find uh, an abundance really of startups young startups that are trying to fix many of the issues that the autism community is facing right now, from diagnostics and therapeutics and um, lifespan services for people like my brother. And it sort of opened my eyes to a new world of potential impact that I could be a part of. And um, with that in mind, I was introduced to Chris Mail, who is the managing partner of the Autism Impact Fund. I learned more about their mission, and they are the first venture fund dedicated solely to autism innovation. There are others now that have cropped up and are doing amazing work, and I just feel very lucky to be part of the community and learning about the power of venture investment in in this space. 
Can you explain a little bit about how that fund works? So basically they look for investors who believe in the mission and then what happens with the with those investments? How is that money, how is that capital spent? Sure. So fundamentally the mission of the Autism Impact Fund is to revolutionize the status quo for diagnosing, treating, and living with autism through their venture capital model. So they take private investments. um, It's a limited partnership structure. And right now, I would say most of the fund's um, capital is from private families. And they're also looking at institutional investors now as they scale up and continue to fundraise. So they are meticulous about their investment criteria, and they're looking both on the life sciences side and the lifespan services. So that means something on the science side, we're looking at at diagnostics and biomarkers and trying to address the diagnostic needs as early as possible. Um, As many people know with autism, the earlier we can intervene and diagnose, the better off somebody can be with autism and we can get them the services that they need um, as soon as possible. And then on the other side, um, separate from the science, is lifespan services. And that's kind of like everything that makes life easier for someone like my brother. So whether it's therapeutics or um, support in estate planning and special needs trusts and um, residential vocational services, they're looking at any kinds of companies that are going to make life easier after the diagnosis and accelerate that diagnosis earlier in life. Let's talk a little bit about um, companies, businesses that are or can support the autism community through job opportunities. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've looked at or been involved in um, previously? Yeah. So um, kind of staying with the Autism Impact Fund and like-minded companies, one of the the big pushers or big, um, you know, focus areas is certainly vocational and getting neurodivergent people into the job space. And one of the companies that um, AIF has invested in and others is Autocon. It's a European-based company, and it's um, very much focused on job placement for people on the spectrum and other neurodivergent needs. Um, So it's, it's the, the vocational piece and the job placement piece and the diversity and inclusion is a major focus of these funds and this space. And the other interesting piece that I'm seeing is as far as, you know, I think you've asked before, what, what can company leaders be doing to improve this space And there is certainly that piece that is hiring people on the spectrum or neurodivergent people who are many times, as you can imagine, extremely talented in ways that you and I could never dream of being. They're just their brains work exceptionally um, quickly and differently than anybody else. But the other side of it is caregivers. So, um, you know, if you are an employee of a company and you have a son with severe autism, what is your personal life looking like away from work? And how much time and attention does it take you to be a caregiver while working full time? And there's a big push right now. um, And a lot of awareness, which I, I just love to see about caregivers and caregiving and how 
corporations can support their employees in caregiving. Wealthy is one of the big leaders in the space right now, a company called Wealthy, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. And their big focus is, is on that support of caregivers. And that's so important. And that also increases quality of life for the autism community when those who are caregivers and spending so much of their day or nights mm-hmm. <laughs> um, caring for this really amazing community to have an employer recognize that and think in a creative way of how we can support those care to caregivers. That's amazing. I've also seen a lot of great um, changes and improvements in that area. One thing I'd love to talk about because, you know, let's say someone is working in a company and they think to themselves, we do need to create more opportunities for those with, you know, is the term differently abled? Is that the, is that what's the proper term for someone who is, you know, in the autism community, but so capable in certain ways that may be different from the way that we're used to? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, buzzwords that go around. And I think differently abled is certainly fine. I use neurodivergent a lot because I think that Mm -hmm. tackles a pretty broad stance. Um, Even within autism, there's a lot of debate there has been of, you know, should you say somebody with autism versus autistic? And I think we're sort of moving away from that. You know, we we can say autistic, it's okay. You know, there's such a focus on the verbiage. And I think that's very important. But I also think um, you know, we, we can give people grace about terminology because we all mean, well. Yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, also sometimes when, if you're not familiar and you mm-hmm. don't have someone in your life, who's part of that community, but you want to support the community, it could be a little bit daunting of, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to offer the wrong thing. So what sort of job opportunities and maybe maybe even just explaining a little bit of the qualities um, that this community, the special needs community overall, but especially the autism community um, that are typical in terms of the jobs that would be the right fit just so that we can guide employers who are interested in creating more opportunities? Yeah. You know, it's a tough question because, mm-hmm. you know, the very basis of neurodivergent is differences and there is no one size fits all. Um, Exactly. I would say, you know, asking about interests and skills kind of more directly. So for typical employees looking for a job, we would look at a job description and, you know, fit into that mold and be able to sell ourselves based on our experience. I think for somebody who is neurodivergent, there's that that's a harder thing to tackle for them. So it's almost like maybe reversing the process and saying, you know, we we want to recruit more neurodivergent people. If you are neurodivergent, you know, what what do you see as your skill sets? And you know, what do you bring to the table and sort of leading with that rather than that being an afterthought in an interview and a description from a job that's, you know, kind of already made for somebody that's not that person that's on the spectrum. I think it also depends, you know, some people on the spectrum are very good with math and very good with science. And it, it just, it, everyone is completely different and I think their interests will guide them. So for example, my brother, my mom always said, if, if his fixation was was curing cancer, he would have cured cancer 10 years ago. You know, they people on the spectrum tend to get very fixated on 
Mm -hmm. one or two specific things, and that will drive their interest and their vocational opportunities. For my brother, he was and still is pretty obsessed with Saturday Night Live. So like, I'm not really sure what the job description is for like knowing (laughs) everything there is about SNL. Um, dating back to season one, episode one, um, he says, oh, wow. you know, he says he wants to work for SNL, but that's, you know, um, you know, any listeners in there that, that have it in there, let me know. Um, Absolutely. You know, <laughs> my parents have kind of always looked at his interests. So like right now he's working in, in New Brunswick, he's a part of a vocational program through Rutgers and he works at an ice cream store because he loves ice cream. It, it can be mm-hmm. as simple as that. It's like, what is something that will get him to work every day that will keep him engaged and interested? And what that looks like for somebody that wants to work for a corporation in New York versus an ice cream shop in New Brunswick, you know, it's all different. But I think driving from that interest base is is really important. So they stay engaged. Yeah, yeah. And I think... Um... You know, just thinking about the the chain, the difference in accessibility to that kind of a job. So, you know, you go to an ice cream store, you say, "Do you have an availability for a job?" Right? Mm-hmm. You can just it's it's so accessible. You can go ask the manager, ask the owner. But when you're dealing with a big company, for example, it's much more difficult for someone who is looking for a job opportunity who might be new neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it turns into an opportunity for the company to say, let's get out there more. Let's connect closer to the community. And then maybe some organic opportunities yes. will arise. Yes. And and you're seeing this happen more with companies like Autocon that are focused on recruitment of neurodivergent people. So mm-hmm. their skill set as recruiters to is to understand, just like any other recruiter, how you know, the skill sets can be applied, then they partner with large corporations. And I think there's more and more awareness of, you know, specialized recruitment firms that see how beneficial neurodivergent people can be to companies small and large. And so for any, like anyone listening um, to the podcast and, you know, they'd like to support the neurodivergent community, what is one way that we can support the community today? Is there a resource or guidance that you'd have for our listeners? So for me right now, honestly, I think it's LinkedIn. I think you should get on LinkedIn and follow um, the Autism Impact Fund, follow Difference Partners, follow Multiple, follow Autocon. And they are putting out, these are all either um, companies in the space focused on neurodivergent needs venture firms um, multiple as a nonprofit hybrid model there's just a lot of and I guess I'm sure you'll put these notes in the um, these links in the notes for me Sarah for people who are listening but there's yeah so let's much, do that there's so yeah. much content out there and I think awareness is just just educate yourselves there's so much information out there on LinkedIn um, certainly there are are not for profits and things like that in your local communities. But I'm really seeing an incredible amount of of great content on LinkedIn that that are kind of talking about these themes and great ways to connect with people that are doing this work. 
Amanda, is there anything else that you'd want to share about your activism or anything that you've learned along the way, lessons that you've learned, um, anything else that you want to share on the on impact investing and the power um, and the opportunity behind it? Yeah, I think what I would say is, you know, this is a very young space for autism specifically. So the idea of impact investing for something that has for so long been a charitable endeavor is a new conversation. And I've seen in the last two years of being in this space, a lot of pushback on that, which was frankly surprising to me. I think there's just people are comfortable, you know, um, there are you know, hundreds of charities that are supporting autism and they do amazing work and people are comfortable writing a check or making a donation to a 501c3. But the idea of a private investment where you could make money off of these kinds of endeavors, there, there's there's some polarizing opinions. And I think there's a lot of misconception in those opinions. And what I would like to see is a lot of I guess, an increased collaboration between the not-for-profit side and the for-profit side with the understanding that we're all working towards the same goal, which is to improve the lives of people with autism and other special needs. And if we can find a way to work together and not feel like we're competing for that capital, then the opportunity to impact and advance and accelerate innovation is so much greater than if we sort of remain siloed. And um, I, I just think there's a great risk in that misconception. And I'd like to see that change. Yeah. Have you seen any examples of that sort of collaboration or not not front and center yet? So yes, I would say multiple. The company I mentioned earlier is a great example of that um, mm-hmm. that innovation and collaboration because their their model is is basically bring in early, early stage companies, support them from a not-for-profit perspective, and then funnel them into the venture funds like Autism Impact and Difference Partners and understand that there's a place at the table for both sides of this. And there are things that nonprofit and research and academia can achieve. And then there are things that they they can't achieve without capital. And I think the capital investment from venture funds and private money just allows the innovation to accelerate more quickly, where, you know, we all know that the not-for-profit world can be slow and bureaucratic. And, you know, there's just, there's a place for both. And I see multiple trying to attack that with the collaboration of partners like AIF. Moving to wrap up our conversation, shifting gears a little bit um, to something, a question more personal to you outside of your day-to-day, what is something that you, Amanda, are working on growing or an area where you're learning continuously today? So one kind of fun thing and one more serious thing. I'm learning how to play the piano. This is like a new goal of mine. Um, so that's sort of a, just a fun. Amazing. Um, my boys are taking piano lessons and I decided to take them with them so that we can learn together. And that just kind of, love that. you know, <laughs> out of my comfort zone. And then um, professionally, I think, 
you know, I'm still figuring out who I want to be when I grow up. And um, I loved practicing law. I know it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. Like I, I, I really enjoy the practice of the law, but I feel that I can make a bigger impact in the space that we're talking about. And I'm still trying to find my place within this world of impact investing and, you know, giving myself the grace of time to figure it out, but also wanting to get started on something more tangible. So that's kind of what I'm working towards right now. I completely understand that. And I can't wait to see all the amazing things that you're going to accomplish and keep watching your journey. Thank you, Amanda, for spending the time with us on Unlocking Impact. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you. This has been Unlocking Impact. Thanks so much for joining and we hope to see you next time.